opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. And the gathering begins for this Sunday evening, December 27th, 2020. This is episode 31 of the Anime Roundtable version 2. Don't forget, if you want to send us a comment for whatever reason, up to and including threats and general trolling, you can contact us. You can go old school email, animeroundtable at gmail.com. You can go Twitter and Instagram at animeroundtable, animeroundtable.com for full show notes and past episodes. And we should mention the Facebook group and the Discord because that should be part of the show's New Year's resolutions. And don't forget, we're looking for reviews, so if you've enjoyed what you've heard, give us a good review wherever you get your podcasts. Good evening from Six Points in Toronto, and a belated Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Mike Nicholas in the captain's chair, joined as always by James Austin, Kevin Ng, and Mohamed Shamarki this time around, from their places in the West End. Where do you want to start tonight, guys? Well, we did get a white Christmas, so that was one nice thing, right? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Boo to that, man. Why? That's terrible. Why, Mohammed? Okay, we need to know why. So so I recently moved uh, from my tiny-ass townhouse to, like, an actual house that has, like, a driveway and stuff. So, uh, <laughs> so, 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 so shoveling has been a, a, a bit of a pain. Um, that's why I'm saying. World, Mike. I mean, uh, Mohammed. Backbone, Mohammed. Lean into it. Lean into it. Yes, I'll definitely lean into it. <laughs> the problem is when the plow, the plow comes around and you get all the stuff at the end and they leave tons for us and it's just all slush and ice. Yeah, the heavy stuff, right? Gotta use yep. the knees. Use the knees, listen to some music or a podcast while you do it. That's how I've done it. Mm. In Toronto, in the Toronto area, there was little on the ground on Christmas Eve, but then nightfall happened and any precipitation slowly became snow. And when it was all said and done, we had a good dusting, I'd say a roughly five, maybe 10 centimeters, depending on where you were in the GTA. We got our white Christmas all right. And it looked, depending on where you were, picturesque or a complete pain, depending on how you had to deal with the snow. I think, Mike, it was a complete pain a few years ago, because remember we had that snowstorm on Christmas Eve, and that was even worse than what oh, this, this was a that. picnic was, compared to that. I, I think it was don't 27, remember that. Was that. 2017. It was over 27 years or something. Yeah, like it, was 20, it was 2017. I remember because we went to Midnight Mass that night. That's that's my family's tradition. And at the end of the Mass, the priest simply said, for those of you wishing for a white Christmas, stop it. Thank you very much. <laughs> I thought it was a good line. I think that was my Facebook, uh, Facebook message that day. Nice and simple. Very simple. So I have a confession to make. Concerning my Christmas. Yes. 
I wag my finger at you guys for your movie chasing over the last couple months, right? When you went to go see Lupin, when you went to go see Fate Stay. I guess it's time for me to make a confession myself. Oh, Mike, for- did, you, did you go to one of those uh, container parties? <laughs> no, no, nothing that extreme anyway. Oh, God. We have to check that out. I should look those up. Actually, this this ties in nicely because we because we're going to give the COVID update right now. Here in Ontario, the whole province is now under lockdown. That's as of Boxing Day yesterday. So every single spot is now in a lockdown for a minimum of fourteen days. That's in the northern parts of the province. Here in southern Ontario, the lockdown that had previously begun in late November not so surprisingly, was extended even further. It was extended initially past the 28 days, and then they reset the extension on Boxing Day another 28 days for Southern Ontario. So the lockdown here isn't set to end until January 23rd, I believe, if my math is correct. Case counts? Well... We joked last episode that the case counts on a daily basis had yet to get to 2,000. Well, it didn't take too long for that to be breached. Ontario, as of today, recorded its 13th straight day of 2,000-plus cases and all the pain that goes with it, maybe there isn't too much else to say beyond that. Although on the bright side, we do have vaccines now. And I mentioned this on the Twitter, so I'll share it here again. A little quirky note. What was the date we started rolling out the vaccines? In a week ago? Like a week ago, right? A little more than I a week. I wouldn't really call it rolling out at all. I just say well, they're in that first phase or whatever you even want to call mm-hmm. it because we won't be seeing it till late next year if we're lucky. If we're lucky. Not in and time for my Japan trip. Oh, well, when was your Japan trip supposed to take place? April. Uh, I will cancel that in March. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the 14th. Okay, so the first... Vaccines were administered on December 14th to some long-term care workers, I believe. Yes. I think it was and, like PSW workers, yeah, personal support workers. Yeah, per, uh, PSWs here in Toronto, in Ontario. I think those were the first Canadian shots altogether, if, if the news reports, uh, I remember them well. The vaccines were administered in Toronto at the Michener Institute, which is currently a, well, it's a medical school, obviously. It's associated with the University Health Network, so most of the major hospitals in downtown Toronto are part of that network. And this is one of the learning centers for that set of hospitals downtown. It also had associations with U of T many years ago, I think it still does in a more limited basis. But the quirky note for anime fans is the Michener Institute was the location of the first few anime Norths, 97 and 98, 
at least. The gymnasium where the shots were given, and this is, they made a nice little news conference out of it, the gymnasium there was the location of Anime North's first dealer's room, which was just a very, very small little thing with uh, about a dozen little vendors. It, it felt more artist alley-like, if anything, but the Michener Institute was the first location for Anime North, and historically, it became the first place where COVID vaccines were given first administered in this country. But I thought that that was a nice little quirky note I thought people should be aware of, especially if you're in Toronto, especially if you're an Anime North fan. Okay. Now, now, now do, do I go with the confession? Yes. Let's okay. hear it, Mike. No, it's not much. This is basically what I did on my Christmas. And yes, I did go out to do a quick food drop-off run at my parents' place. That's fine. And yeah, yeah. Just briefly visited them, kept ourselves socially distanced. My sister showed up for a few minutes, did a quick gift exchange, and then um, raided the dinner table. And that was it, basically. Nothing more than that. But in this lockdown... It's also to be noted that that would have been a borderline thing to have done. So as I said to you guys, as much as I uh, like to get on your case for for going to see the movies, that's, well, none of us are are without faults, I suppose. I would say, Mike, we would be more concerned if you had 200 people over to the house and stuff like that, because we have heard that in Peel Region. Oh, yeah, there was a case of that this morning, I believe, at a church. I don't get that, man. It's like, like, why? <laughs> Especially with this new strain of, like, the new version of COVID that's more contagion, contagible. They said they already found two, uh, they found two of those in Durham region, supposedly. One in, in British Columbia today, actually, too. Which begs the question, how did it get there? Because the Durham region one, the... And Durham region, just for reference, if you're not from the area, that's the eastern suburbs. The two cases that were found there, none of them could be linked to travel, though. That source is yet to be figured out, I suppose. But that's where we are now. And that's where we're going to be for uh, at least most of January. But I'm sure we'll uh, talk about that a little more early in 2021. Okay. Mohammed is here for the first time. Congratulations on the move, by the way, Mo. Thank you. Thank you. And congratulations on the rig. I heard you updated your audio rig. You sound a lot more clear than in the past and a lot more louder. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, I figured it was time. Uh, plus, you know, it's with the move and whatnot, I thought I might as well set up a proper, proper rig. Yeah, and I think we're all be a, that's probably part of part of our resolutions. Maybe we'll just do be more involved uh, online a little more in the coming year. Also means you weren't here last week, and the three of us did a bunch of things. We uh, our appearance on Zan in Canada with Jesse, 
And of course, last week's episode, is there anything you want to quickly address that we talked about that you didn't get a chance to, to talk about that was on your mind? Maybe the three things that, that we were all asked to mention on on Xanon that punctuated our 2020s or maybe the big story from last episode uh, concerning Crunchyroll and uh, Funimation? Uh, no, no. I mean, just wanted to uh, to shout out Jesse on his pick for uh, for Close Enough. It's a great show. Surprised he picked it, but it's, it's a great show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's what about it. I mean, the whole Sony situation that dubs tales into the whole Warner Brothers situation um it's it's i don't know like i want everything to be consolidated i want to just be like hey here's here's 20 bucks to one service and get everything but at the same time like the effect i'll have on i don't know smaller creators and so forth and variety of things that are produced it's just it's it's i, I want to say it's, it's not cool man it's just not cool <laughs> that's what has you concerned <laughs> pretty much man i mean like when when one organization owns everything like it's just like I, I don't know. Like, it's not it's not good for the end user. It's not good for the creators. It's just not good in general, right? I mean, Kevin, if you want to weigh in on this, I mean, how, how do you feel about Sony owning everything? And then eventually someone's going to buy Sony and then they'll own everything Sony owns and then Disney will buy that and then Disney will own everything. Disney will own everything, yeah. The problem, though, right? is that everyone just wants that end product. They don't care sometimes how it's created or where it comes from. And that's the key problem sometimes. Not sometimes. That's a big question mark that happens right now with that deal. Not even any of times, James. Like a lot of people don't care. Let alone know. Because think about we go into the supermarket and we get our food. Well, where does that food come from? Where does the meat and the fish and all that come from? It isn't in a nice plastic packaging and stuff like that originally. You know what I mean? It's like, no, definitely, definitely. And that's the one thing that gets me because, like, it's been what, like 20, 30, 40, a gazillion years that we've been hearing about you know, animal rights and PETA and how animals are being tortured, but people are still eating animals. It's not like it's going to stop, right? I mean, and it's it sucks. And the end result is destroying our planet, right? I mean, I feel that's the same thing that's going to happen with most creative outlets and most creative things. Like, companies are going to buy it up, and then in about five to ten years, we're just going to have nothing good is ever going to come out. Like, this is going to dovetail into my, my stuff at the end in regards to more Warner Brothers-related shit. But, yeah, like... It's 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 just bad for the end product. Okay, well, I'm gonna give a couple of additional thoughts, and they may somewhat come into the concerns that we have expressed con uh, just now, and in when we actually talked about this at length last episode. But I, these were thoughts that I don't think really came out that still are kind of on my mind. First of all, let's go back to Sony itself and their their little entertainment structure. It must be noted, or what I re, what I ended up recalling after the episode is the fact that Sony by itself put aside Funimation, put aside Crunchyroll, but with the failure of Crackle—not really failure, but certainly didn't. It didn't really... I heard about that story too, Mike, about, uh, what was it, Chicken Soup for the Soul? They're an actual company themselves, and they're the one Sony had sold Crackle to, I believe, mm -hmm. and they now have the whole kit and caboodle, I hear, because they yeah, sold it... their final rights to it, I think, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. The thing about it is Sony doesn't have 
a streaming service that's directed towards their mainstream works. And they have a big library, obviously, with Columbia Pictures and TriStar and, of of course, their television properties. And Disney has Disney+. Plus. Warner Media still has HBO Max, right? Universal, at the very least, they can boast Peacock right now. Is that a joke? What? <laughs> I don't well, think I, I don't I, think that's a service that anyone's like, like we're talking potential for later on. CBS yeah, they can use that uh, as you said, Mike, and they can yes. use those things within their brand for Sony as well. Within their brand. So and I mean CBS CBS is going to rebrand CBS All Access next year and call it Paramount Plus. Sony so- does not have such a service. And they're they're a major move, and they have a major major mainstream properties. They don't have that type of service right now. And for reference, that that that's both good and bad. R- reports came out earlier this week that directors, other 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 creators, who are more for theatrical movie releases, are gravitating more towards Sony these days because. Well, of course, the recent news concerning Warner Media wanting to leverage HBO Max a little bit more for their major, major releases, and a lot more. And of course, Disney, Disney releasing Soul this week. So, Sony doesn't have a streaming outlet of that sort, and that's bad in one sense. But there might be some good, some future opportunities with it too. That so that's one thing to think about. Don't now how does how does that tie into the whole the whole anime purchases? Maybe not too much. Or does it? I mean, maybe there's something there I'm not seeing. Or maybe I'm just reading too much into it again. There's probably some stuff happening behind the scenes because at some point They'll probably want a piece of that pie. It's just how do they want to set up that streaming service? How do they want to brand it? As we said, they have those movie studios that they bought up in the 90s and stuff like that that they could possibly use as their launch pads. It's just how they want to launch it so it doesn't become another crackle for them and stuff like that. And if they want to take some of the anime side and maybe merge it into that too, it all depends. And then funnel those users through maybe their PS5, uh, you know what I mean, through the PS5 and PS4, through that user base, because that's a big user base they can exploit for uh, video games. They just got to find a proper way. I mean, now we, we talked a lot about overlap between anime fandom and consumers of video games. That overlap is a little bit more tricky. When we start to go further into the into more mainstream stuff, though, right? And that's where the concern is. And, and they do hold one interesting property in the near future that has been known already to mess up a lot of intentions. That's Spider-Man. Remember, Spider-Man almost left the MCU earlier this year. In 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 my opinion, I feel like Sony is what third. It's like the third major studio, just barely behind AT&T. Walt Disney just crushing it. They had like 30% of the market share. I give it like five years, 
maximum before Sony buys, uh, sorry, before Disney buys Sony. At which point, you think it'll go that way? You think oh, it'll go that way? Hundred percent, hundred percent. You think it would be a buyout? That's interesting. Yeah, because I, I feel like Sony's already just Sony Pictures, which is like owned by Sony, but I feel like it's their it's it's got to be a money loss for them, right? I mean, they're not pulling in major numbers. Disney is at least committed to trying to release stuff in theaters. Warner is going to lose. I don't know any creator who's going to be like after what happened with Warner, be like, oh, let me go work for Warner and have them release my movie because they're they're not going to do that. Disney will at least try to put your stuff in theaters uh, before hitting up Disney Plus. But yeah, like they're going to buy up Sony. Like I can see that happening. So they buy up that part of Sony, just like uh, they've let other parts of the empire kind of go down, just like the TV part and all those other parts, right? That they used to be known for is making stuff. And that isn't quite what it is now. It's like they're known for video games and stuff like that. My guy tells me they would not want to be sold to Sony. I have no real basis for that, though. I'm wondering, well, it's always in the numbers with them. So, and we're talking overall, not just their entertainment stuff, entertainment brands. I mean, the PlayStation is still, is their thing at the moment. That's their jam. Has anyone got their hands on a PS5 yet? Nope. No. Nope. No, I'm, we've already stated that. Uh, I have no interest right now. I'll wait for the mid-cycle refresh. So I'm in no hurry. Although it's, I find it both fun to watch and maybe sad to watch how the the scramble to try and get one and trying to beat a bunch of bots to get one. This scramble for consoles has been like this since the, the air quotes third generation. It's been like this since the PS3 360 days and the Wii. These were hard now, back in the day too. When it they just were, but out. now, but now it's like back then it was like some dude in the line buying, you know, a whole bunch of them. Now it's like some bot that someone wrote that buys it all, right? I mean, and and the worst part is that it's getting easier and easier to write these bots. Like, like I remember at our company, my, my boss was like, he really wanted a piece of five, he couldn't get one, uh, and then like wrote a script for it, and it was like, oh yeah, that just that that works, right? <laughs> it's it, the barrier to entry to. to <laughs> to writing a script that just randomly buys stuff for you is not that hard anymore. Take your coding class, kids. Take your coding class. It was funny. We were talking about these streaming services and then Sony not having their own general one. And I'm thinking back to um, the remote control that they're releasing for the PS5 for the multimedia and stuff like that. And the buttons they have are like YouTube, Netflix, Disney Plus and stuff like that. And then it's like nothing for you, Sony. And just quickly, back on the PS5 thing, you're getting to the point where people are training other people for a fee to buy into their bot services that you subscribe to this place where you can then go and learn how to run these bots and buy whatever highly desired item that you think will fetch a high price in the secondhand market that this I'm, is what we've come to now in society <laughs> it's all going to come to a big head where where a bunch of bots are used to do something terrible like destroy a single person like like it's it's going to come to the point where some random person's name is going to be run through some botnet and then a bunch of posts about them going to come out and saying something like this person so and so more is like a pedophile and did all this pedophilia stuff and then his life will be destroyed and that person will happen to be like a congressperson or something and then he'll then 
pass some draconian law that will make the internet like not the internet or something you know it's that's what's gonna, that's what's gonna happen Circle of life, dude. Circle of life. Oh. I was thinking about that. Uh, so what's going to be cheaper? Me going to figure out those bots or me hiring some person to stand for me in line physically, if that's ever possible again? Check the market. The other the other part, and this is the last part on the Sony thing, and I'll come on, and this is probably going to be not nearly as long a discussion. Remember, I brought up ideas of who else maybe should have taken a shot at getting Crunchyroll. Remember I brought up the name Rakuten. Obviously, we know them here for their virtual coupon services. You see their commercials everywhere. They're known as a big firm. They do have a... Also Kobo, remember they bought that. Also Kobo, well, I was about to get to Kobo. Obviously, if you keep up enough, you know that they have a streaming service, but that's more on on Asian dramas, more most notably K-dramas. It would have been an interesting fit. Yes, yes, they could have rolled some of their Kobo branding into all of that if you want to do the promotion on the manga side. It would have been an interesting fit. I'm not totally sure it was feasible. Probably not. Because they don't have a real brand name when it comes to content, I think, in terms of moving, in terms of moving picture type content. I mean, Netflix corners that in comparison youtube corners that in comparison but i thought it, they would have been an intriguing name if they were interested and i think they could afford it too but that's just enough that's another thought altogether and uh wishful thinking in where many of us wished crunchyroll didn't go but they did let's start on the new stuff this week, on a story that's been simmering for a few months now. Back in early October, two Ohio state lawmakers demanded that Kent State University pull a book from its curriculum, deeming its contents too obscene for minors. At the heart of the controversy was the book anime from Akira to Howl's Moving Castle by Dr. Susan Napier. The upshot was that It was assigned in a writing course about social issues expressed through anime, and a 17-year-old student felt uncomfortable concerning the material of this particular book and did not complete an assignment concerning it. In the process, a couple of state lawmakers got wind of it and declared the book pornographic in nature and demanded that the book be pulled from the curriculum and that the student in question be given an alternative assignment instead of the zero they have so far been given. In making the demand, Republican representative and a guy I can safely call young man, Reggie Stoltzfus, in not so many words, mentioned the $150 million in state funding Kent State University receives. And that is just one layer to it. So let's peel it back. For reference, this story was made more public to many of us within the last couple of weeks. But as mentioned, this has actually been ongoing for almost three months now. And I get the feeling we're going to pile on in the next little bit. So here's a shovel. Can you dig it? No. It's just so bad, man. I don't dig it. 
Okay, where 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 do we want to start with this? Do uh, just a little bit of a quick background concerning the courses, Kent State itself. It must be noted that Kent State's student population is a little bit older. It's a bit more mature, but it does allow minors to take courses if you're between grades seven and twelve. That's where we, that's part. So that's part of the story here. A minor. A 17-year-old was allowed to take a course. In order to take the course, parents have to sign a waiver just in case uh, let's, some of the let's... curriculum curriculum goes a little bit more mature. And that was the case here. The parents of this student signed that waiver saying, okay, we're going to allow them to be exposed to certain things. And now they saw something disagreeable and now... Uh, you want to go back on that waiver. Let's, okay. let's, let's put aside the, 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 the student, that kid, his parents, the waiver. Let's put all that aside. And let's look at this from a top-down bureaucratic Republican, because these guys are Republicans, uh, bullshit that they're trying to pull here. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just so... It, it, the Republicans have had this hard-on for, uh, for, for, for post-secondary schools for like forever. And, and this is just another... Ridiculous ploy at some some bullshit nonsense. Like that's that's basically all this is. This is just censorship at its core, and and that's all that's all it is, right? I mean, their their argument that this is is is, is pornographic in nature. It's it's not. Like Mike, you've read it. James, I'm not sure if you've read it, but it's not. It's it really isn't. Um, it's it's just it's 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 beyond laughable. It's just so ridiculous. <laughs> Okay, let's go back for a second. Um, you've read the book, Mohammed. You've read the book? Oh no, I I haven't read the whole book, but I know the part they're talking about. Uh, and yeah, we know. To call that pornographic is come on, guys. Okay, so which, which version did you read, uh, Mo? Did you read this version? Like, I think I believe I read the version before and stuff like that because this like, has been in print for many, many years. Of course. The current version, I think, is dated two thousand five. Because I think the one I had it went up to spirited away or something like that. I believe by yeah. I, I, well, think, I think I have the same one, the the O five version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The current version is the O five version, I believe, the most recent. And yeah, that's right. Me, that's right. Well, I, I admit I really don't have it myself. So do Kevin? Do you have it? James, you have a version, I, I, I figure. Yes, I, I do have a version. It's been a while since I read it. It's kind of, as we said, ridiculous that they're even bringing up this uh, thing. They signed the waiver and stuff like that. It's like they may have even been a student that was taking regular university classes because maybe they skipped through uh, and got their high school diploma and stuff like that. You have cases like that. But they had signed the waiver and this had went through and this was being discussed in a scholarly setting. And as Napier, uh, Susan Napier had said, because she found out about it through a colleague called John Wilson from the University of California National Center for Free Speech and Civic Engagement. She said it's kind of ridiculous because that single chapter on adult content in Japanese animation was done uh, in a scholarly way. And it was to look at 
the whole spectrum of anime and stuff like that. And you can't do that without looking at uh, hentai. And she knew that people at the time, of course, were also looking at that area, you know what I mean, for consumption. So This is asinine. Well, I just, like, I'm, I lean more towards Mohammed's reaction, like, Half of me was just sighing, and the other half of me was just thinking, "Come on, man!" Like that was like a little thumb note, right? Like that image, and even if, like, it's not as if this image was like a full picture, let alone the. And this is even not factoring the fact that this is an academic book. If that Republican. What was he a Senate leader? I don't know. Like that Republican person, state representative. He's a state, state representative. There's, pardon me, and it's a tough name to pronounce. Reggie Stoltzfus and uh, Vernon Jones, representative um, Don Don Jones. Oh, Don Jones. My bad. My bad. Yeah, Don Jones. Jones. I, in question, um, Reggie Jones was. I mean, not. Reggie Jones, I got them, I, I mixed them both up. Stoltzfus has, was quoted as saying, Kent State receives a pretty good chunk of money from the state of Ohio. I'm told to the tune of $150 million. There's only a few members that actually know about this content. And once the entire General Assembly learns of it, I would think that the pressure would be pretty intense for Kent State to remove it. In the original a Anime News Network article, he was also quoted as stating, we're going to look through this book. And we're going to decide if this university is worthy of giving $150 million of taxpayers' dollars to it every year, adding he intends to purchase copies of the book for his quote-unquote friends in the General Assembly to review, and the results may affect the school's funding. You know what I love about this so much? And that's it, article, and I think Mo's going to say the same thing, I think, uh, to their is that they've already made their decision based on that. And they aren't even going to read it in an objective fashion, which is what universities are fucking supposed to do for you, which is critical thinking. And people don't seem to have that. And just to quickly uh, say it, is that there was an interview from uh, Otaku USA uh, with Susan Napier, and she had a that very good quote in regards to, uh, they asked, how do you think this fits into the larger issue of, censorship. And this is what uh, Susan Napier had to say. It's a little long, but it is important. And she said, nowadays, we're very concerned about what we say, which in many ways is a good thing. We need to be careful not to engage in hurtful or hate speech. But I think there's a tendency now where you have to not deal with controversial subjects. But I think that some pornographic anime is disturbing. But I think precisely because it is disturbing. It ought to be dealt with. We do have to engage the things that are ugly or distasteful in a rational, objective fashion. I think if we ignore things, if we try to put a fence around certain subjects, I think all that does is hide them. I think this kind of issue of finding controversial things you don't want to read and judging an entire book by it is also disturbing. As you just said, most of the book is about the variety of Japanese animation. It was shocking to me they would want to have the book banned and use terms like pornographic 
about the book, the idea of feeling that if you don't like a subject, you can ignore or suppress anything controversial is not a very sensible way to approach a subject that can come back and flower even more because it's seen as forbidden. And that's, uh, I think all of that is very poignant to say the yeah, least. Yeah, it's, there's like, what, three or four images. There was what maybe one or two explicit images, give or take. And I just think if the whole book, like, the pornographic segment was one chapter. So what issue is there? None, that's what. There is there should be zero issue with this. But I just feel like this Republican representative just wants to find something. He wants to find a problem that does not exist so that he can be seen as, yes, I've done something. This is just a waste of time. There are, there are more, there more things to worry. There are more important things to worry about than this. This is like a major slippery slope, guys. I mean, it starts off with a small thing here, and then another thing is going to happen, and another thing is going to happen. And next thing you know, uh, you got Fahrenheit nine eleven. Not sorry, the, the the movie, the book about book burning. You know that that that's that's where this is going. This is just pure censorship. That's the way I see it. I see it as some Republican douche nozzles, you know, who who think they have all this power and whatnot, which they kind of do, but who just want to flex their muscles. <laughs> you know, it's exactly. it's just so dumb. <laughs> And we have seen it in other places, too. I look at Australia and stuff like that, and they've had stories about anime and manga and stuff like that, them trying to ban stuff. So it's definitely across the board, but it, it's beyond the crazy factor. And most of them are doing it with real intentions. First of all, I agree with, with all most of the sentiment here, just about all of it. Can't think of anything I wouldn't disagree Especially the, the 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 douche nozzle part. Yes. Well. Yes, Mohammed. Let me go to that for a second, and let's look at the two lawmakers in question. And all you need to do is sometimes hit the Google button. Reggie Stoltzfus, or has a recent history of at least trying to stifle some of the COVID initiatives that have been going on in Ohio. He was part of one of 15 House members who, in September, wanted the Ohio state governor to end, co end a, a COVID emergency that had been going on there. And with it, orders on things like bar closures and mask orders. It's, it's, it's just so... so, it's so I mean, you have to understand where, like, like, this is just to me where the other things that, that Stoltzfus has done. I feel like this is the greater issue with America and their divide and their partisanship in regards to just basic anything. Like, like there should not be this this whole uh, anti-mask, anti-COVID type rhetoric that's happening in the states. It should it like it's it, it's so dumb that like I'm a Republican, therefore I don't believe in COVID. Like it's 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 the dumbest thing ever, right? Until you get it, then then it's just the flu. Don Jones, I know, was on certain committees that he was a proponent of, of arming teachers in schools. I know that I, I remember reading a story about the hem just just before we came on air. 
So sometimes it's one of those, the medium is a message and you're just trying to make them work. So there's some kind of scary grandstanding I'm reading about here. My own other thought is, well, this is one of those cases where somebody should have read the fine print. So I, so my angle is always on, okay, that's nice and all. You don't agree with the material, but this is what you signed up for. And that's the key thing there, isn't it, Mike, that when we go to university and we're going into that saying it's an adult setting and if there are Myers, they have to sign these consent forms because we're having a conversation and some of the things in that conversation may not be uh, exactly PG, uh, PG or PG-13 or what have you, or they may be in dispute still, you know what I mean? Like I've taken tons of history courses and some people are arguing their heads off about things and we're like, well, hold the phone. It's like some things, yes, are fact, but some things are minutia depending on how we look at it. So they're not exactly what they seem. And, you know, part, that's the thing about going to school to be able to discuss these things, to be able to, yeah, to be able to deconstruct all this and look at it a little bit closer. And that's the part that kind of bothers me. You, you're trying to put the genie back in the bottle in this case. Maybe, maybe that's not the greatest metaphor. Toothpaste back in the, t- in the tube, right? Well, you're, you've, you've signed the forms. You've agreed, to the, you've agreed to this. The school itself doesn't seem to have a problem with it, with the course, with the discussion. And the other question is, you would get the course outline and stuff like that. A lot of students are able to take a look at that, see who the professor is, see maybe some of the reading material and stuff like that. So you would think you have some idea out there already, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they signed up for. This reminds me of that uh, issue of like a few years back where like people were trying to ban like, um, what's it called? Like Harry Potter for demonic reasons. You remember oh, that? Oh. You can say that about Pokemon too. Yes. It, it, it's, it's, it's the same thing over and over again, where it's just some, some Karen, cause that's what this parent is. His parents a Karen, right? Let's not, let's not mince words about this. Uh, she, 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 she signed a form without actually reading it and just, I think it was the father, by the I way. I think it was the father too. So it's <laughs> not bad. My bad. Right. So, let's, let's, so what's the other term? Ken? No, I, I still I call him Karen. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> that's all it is, right? I mean, they, they they signed a form and then later on found some shit about it and then threw a hissy fit, right? This is I'm pretty sure the kid isn't the one who who's thrown this hissy fit. About well, the, kid, the kid, the kid, the uh, kid, the kid apparently felt uncomfortable and expressed as much to his or her parent. I think it's, it was a uh, a a male, but the, it was it was based on their belief system and stuff like that they were raised in, right? So, okay, well, if that's the case. Like, I mean, I'm th- that's totally cool. No issue with that whatsoever. Don't go to university. Right? I mean, we can agree with that, right? It's like you're going to a place where that stuff's going to be talked about, possibly. I mean, you're underage. I get that. But, like, I, like, I feel like there's, there's, it's, it's, I mean, you guys get what I'm trying to say here, right? It's, it's, you went to university. I mean, you can't be like, oh, I can only want to hear half the stuff because the other half kind of, you know, offends me. It's come on. <laughs> well, you get to pick and choose your courses, so uh, choose wisely, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. Just be careful which doors you go through, right? It's like you could be ending up in the campus pub, or you could end up in the uh, anime club, right? 
How did that do well for us, Mike? I can live with it. <laughs> you haven't turned us into good people, I think. So, oh well. It turned us into people who like who discuss these things aside from the obvious. Look, and this is my, and maybe this is just to end it off because we haven't heard too much about it. Well, I mean, we found out about the story on the 14th, I believe, December 14th. And this is a story that goes all the way back to early October. And I and the and the date stamps, the time stamps on the initial on the initial articles concerning this date back to October 6th and October 7th. So there hasn't been anything else mentioned aside from those initial reports. So what's happened since then? Maybe it's the it's the slow moving gears of government. Heavens knows that happens a lot. But there hasn't been anything new on this, or at least that we know of. So what gives? We're about to approach three months since this situation happened. Maybe it's just a whole oh, in, you know, there, there, was, in. <laughs> there was that thing that happened in like November that kind of took president, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> of course, which which apparently, uh, according to uh, the incumbent, is still under dispute. Oh man, I can't wait for January twentieth. That's going to be the best, man. Anyway, but and I guess we'll hear more about it uh, as if if as promised. Kent State University's funding comes under question. It probably won't. Yeah, I think it sounds like some of those members are fringe, so it's hard to say if those other members are taking some of them seriously. That could be a question mark. We'll hear more about it, I'm sure, somehow. But for what it's worth, Reggie Stoltzfus has said he wants to give copies to his colleagues so they can judge for themselves, and then they can all dogpile on Kent State right after. Thanks for the book sales. I mean, right now, I'm uh, this much I'll say, I'm curious to get a copy of anime from Akira to Howl's Moving Castle. And I think you should be able to pick it up at your local library too, so you have that as well to go that yeah, route. I hope they offer curbside pickup. Or maybe I maybe I can get a new book version. We'll see. Maybe if they actually read the book, they'll realize that this book is really not as pornographic as they claim, but I know that is wishful thinking. I have to tell you, given what we heard of the people, Kevin, unfortunately, I'll just inflame them more. Like I said, wishful thinking. Let's take the break. When we return, well, just a couple of items in brief. What are we going to talk about? Oh, yeah, that's right. Discotech had a presentation. Let's talk about that. And then we'll give a quick update for Anime North as well. It's the final episode of 2020. The Anime Roundtable will continue right after this on the Six Talk Podcast Network. Hey folks, my name is Brett and I'm one of the hosts of Skeleton House, an audio-only Let's Play podcast where my two friends Jess... What is happening? Oh my god! ...and Steve... Even he looks spooked. ...play through video games, and I edit them, add context, and act as your eyeballs. Also, we have a cat. 
Come check us out at skeletonhouse.budsprout.com or look up Skeleton House on your favorite podcast app or your least favorite podcast app. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. And the podcast now continues for this final episode of 2020. Nicholas, Austin, Ng, and Shamarki continuing the conversation with you in front of a virtual audience. Thank you for listening and online via the Six Talk Podcast Network, official podcast anime North. Are we calmed down now from the first segment? Getting on those Ohio lawmakers cases? I, I, I am now calmed down. <laughs> I only hope- calmed down from discotheque day, though. Well, we're going to get to that in a second. I I do hope cooler heads prevail. I I was looking it up during the break. Toronto Public Library does have the book available. I think they do curbside pickup. So I'll be looking at that. And, And Susan Napier's latest book on Miyazaki is actually available too, both in physical and on ebook form. She actually mentioned that in the Otaku USA interview, if memory serves me right, James. Correct. I wonder what she says about him after some of the stuff we witnessed in the NHK documentary as well. It was a fun documentary. I have to still say that. As I said, hopefully cooler heads do prevail. Common sense does happen, although we've twisted the term common sense enough, I think, over, over the decades. So let's go to something more sensible, discotheque. On, what was it? The Was it the 14th as well? Everything happened on November 14th because discotheque, I believe, held their... It was on the 14th, right? Correct. It was December 14th at 8 a.m. Eastern time on their Twitch channel that they uh, did another showcase because they've been doing more stuff on their uh, Twitch channel. Like, for example, uh, on Christmas Day, they did a loop of uh, Nutcracker uh, Fantasy, that anime film that they hold the license to, and we're streaming you mean, you mean it. They put the something, they, you mean they put something more uh, more extensive than just Mike Tool's mugshot in front of a Christmas tree? <laughs> I've heard uh, they had some words before said movie, so that he had recorded, and maybe one of the others did. But oh man, that would have been fun too, I'm sure. So, but that so, one's funny too, that Nutcracker uh, fantasy, because that one was produced by the makers of Hello Kitty, Sereno. <laughs> Sanrio? Sanrio, yes, Sanrio. I spent Christmas doing other stuff. Okay. This is like a, almost becoming a quarterly thing for discotheque, isn't it? it well, this and, is only the second. <laughs> well, yeah, because they, when was the other one? Like three months ago? Yeah, in September, and then they did the last one before that was uh, the lockdown uh, con. Yeah. Like, this is becoming a common occurrence, I guess, in lockdown rules, in pandemic times. Maybe something we can hope to see a little bit more often. Keeps them nicely in the public eye. They constantly joked at its peak. I think they said 900 were watching the Twitch stream, and they said they can only wish for that at a convention. Yeah, they got over a thousand. Like they got good numbers because anyone can watch anywhere, and they've definitely been making use of their um, Twitch channel to stream some uh, shows 
that are in their catalog. Some of them they are allowed to stream, of course, and they don't have on other platforms. So it's kind of nice for that. It's like if you subscribe to their Twitch channel and you have the notifications, it's nice to check that out. I know they're going to use their Twitch channel. They said in that um, panel that uh, for memories, for the dub, they're still working on, they're going to be finished soon. But they said once they're done that, they're going to do a premiere of the memories uh, dub uh, on their Twitch channel. And they'll let people know through uh, their uh, Twitter uh, when that would happen. Yeah, these are so, I mean, it's worth noting, if you've never seen the Twitch presentations Disco Tech has done or seen presentations by Mike Toole, Justin Savickas, Brady Hartnell, is that his name? These are fun to watch. You end up seeing a lot of interplay, a lot of fun conversation between the three of them. And anybody who keeps up with this over the past 20 some odd years know that know the history of people like Justin and Mike this was a lot of fun to listen to and a lot of fun to watch and so it was quite entertaining yes memories were mentioned admittedly they went into a few more technical details about how they go about their stuff Anyone, if either of you guys want to elaborate. Well, I think some of the technical one was they talked about uh, Project ACO again, stuff like that, and how they were getting the video. But then they mentioned that they were trying to make it uh, the best it can be on Blu-ray for Project ACO. And that one of the systems they were using, this is the first time they may be the first ones in the world to be using it, but it's the system they found from this called guy called Astro Res, and it's an upscaling technology that will allow for quality approaching film transfer with more visible details. And during the presentation and on some of their Twitter, even they show a before and after in Project Echo, for example, of before Astro Res and then after Astro Res. And it they're bringing out these details that you're like, was that detail in the picture before? So it's, and they even said it's like magic. They couldn't believe it when they originally uh, were approached about it. But for certain shows, older shows, it can work better than others. So it's not a one size fits all. But for some of them, like Project Echo, it's incredible. And it tells you a lot about the detail they put into these releases. So during the presentation, Discotech updated their present licenses, and they added and announced, I think, 10 or 11 different titles. Some of them continuations, yes, of present uh, present licenses. Some of them expected. Some of them completely came out of left field and probably left a lot of people happy. So... Can we talk about something that stuck out in those releases? Of their new announcements? Sure. Kodocha. That's a big one for everyone, yeah. I think that's a big one for everyone. I think that's the one that nobody saw coming. Or had that been rumored? I I, I hadn't been able to read it. No, that was the first time anyone had ever heard that they had had it. And the other thing is they started off with their sizzle reel 
and their sizzle reel had a lot of the uh, new announcements. Like it was funny, uh, Arian, uh, that one film, they didn't mention it till the very end after they'd yeah. done Q&A mm-hmm. and they'd mentioned, don't worry, we'll get to that because that was the first one on the sizzle reel. Mm-hmm. But Kodocha was the one I think that caught a lot of people by surprise. Yes. And I think it was the promo for it too because it's like, wait, the song's there. It's like, uh-huh. wait, they have... Hugh Cugino News, the 7 o'clock news, is going to be on the release. So I think the dub one, because of the way they did things, I think it's still somewhat muted. They said they couldn't do much maybe on that one, but everything else is fine. So if you watch sub only, it's like all there as it should be intended. Yes, this will be released as a SD Blu-ray, right? Yes, and, 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 and two sets. So and the two first different set sets. has all the dubbed and subbed, and then the second set is the middle school arc, I believe. And that'll yes. be sub only. only. Yes, because they're, they're not, not going to go back and dub that. They canceled. Yeah, they canceled that. Yeah, Funimation. Uh, well, when they were poor. <laughs> well, they weren't poor. They just weren't. Well, when they, they, they weren't the up, were up to things, they still they, had yeah. the Dragon Ball money. Let's be honest here. Yes. Well, when they when they weren't up to it, they only released about half the series, and that's and in turn they only dubbed half the series, and that's the only thing that's coming out. They stated that that will just that'll be it for the dub. Just too much to too much money, too much commitment that they can't they can't give to continuing. So the rest of the series will come out s- subtitled only. I don't think the fans. Are picky about that? Uh, you're going to find understand. some people. You're going to find and some people, people that are disappointed, but that's the decision that they'll have to make. And some people understood that with other ones, like for example, Lupin the Third Part Two. They didn't go back and dub the ones that weren't dubbed there because that was a similar thing. So many episodes, and they would just run themselves into bankruptcy with the amount of sales versus the dubbing costs and stuff like that. Like. If it's a movie or it's a small OVA, you can justify it. But then once you get further along, they don't have the money, as we said, as Funimation and some of the big boys. Mm-hmm. So there was just a certain commitment they couldn't make. But Kodocha is a big one. For reference, I have the Funimation release of that. They released too many boxes. I have those. I think they're still sealed. Memory serves me right. Oh, boy. I don't know. But I know they're sitting, they're sitting in a box somewhere down there i don't think the tokyo guy's voice will be muted this time either if hmm. memory serves me about right yeah yeah well if we were thankful for one death in the last two or three years oh boy yes well Kitagawa's death well and that and they said that was actually an important point because then he basically tightened uh, the the licensing on that song and since his death, they've been a little bit more kinder about that. And they were more open-minded. They and thought I they could they just... realize that this is what we're worth. And if we actually want to get some money, we have to be realistic about our prospects. That's basically what it came down to, right? So the song is back in. And can we talk about how, how big 7 O'Clock News was to the legacy of that show? It sounds like it, it's, it's, this is a huge thing to get it back, isn't it? Was it really that popular though? Like, I just don't know. It, it had a certain cult status, I suppose. 
I feel like, yeah, it did have a cult status, and it was a big part of the show for a lot of fans and stuff like that. So, but did it sell? Did that single sell gangbusters in Japan? That's the real you know. question. And now that's another story altogether. Yeah, that's another question altogether, right? But so. I mean, who? What was the band? It, it's a well-known Tokyo. band. Yeah, Tokyo. It was Tokyo. Yeah, they were a thing at the time, so entirely possible. That's old okay. It makes me wonder with uh, Yashahime because one of the new openings is by News. <laughs> okay. Which is another Johnny's, uh, another popular Johnny's group. Okay. Well, as I said, Kodocha, that's the big one. See, I look down this list and I see some familiar names that I there maybe is. wasn't familiar with back when these were coming out, but I recognized the titles and I knew they had a bit of a following. Can you so, tell, like, there was a dark horse in one of the license announcements and they even uh, mentioned it was, it was from the uh, mid aughts and that was a lot of people want, but it never came out was Maharaba heartful days and stuff. Yeah. Like that. that was interesting. That was a JC staff uh, slice of life one. And that's a fun one. And they also had fun in the presentation because they may mention because people would get confused between two shows that were released in the mid-aughts, and that's between yeah. that and Magaraho. And I admit, I've fallen for that, too. And they put that in a thing. Important reminder, we just announced this, not, not this. this. <laughs> and they put the two shows, pictures from the two shows side by side. As I said, that's the quirkiness of their presentations. Mahara was the more uh, wholesome one, if I recall correctly, whereas Mabaraho was the more pervy one. Correct, with magic. This is one of the cases where you can judge by the cover. Oh no, with anime, you should always judge it by its cover. Let's be careful because I think uh, I think some lawmakers in Ohio are. Yeah, there, there were some other ones, I think. Uh, I know a lot of people are happy they go back and talked about uh, Lupin releases and Lupin the Third Part 3 is coming out. And a lot of people thought because the previous two parts, part one, part two, were DVD only, that was going to be SD Blu-ray. But that's actually going to be an official Blu-ray release. Like, um, I can't remember if it's upscaled or not, but it's going to be uh, in HD and stuff like that with all the bells and whistles non SD Blu-ray. So that'll be fun. Kenichi was an interesting license announcement, yes, too. That, okay. Yeah, that was a rescue from Funimation as well. So... And the other one was Black Rock Shooter as well, because I yeah. think that would be pretty popular, and they're going to go and dub that as well. And I think that'll be a big one for them with some other audiences. It's not something I would buy, but I can see a lot of other people gravitating towards that one. Did that they announce series came out five years too late, though. Did they announce some of the cast for Black Rock Shooter? Correct, they did. And that one was... And that was Sound Cadence was the one doing it for them, and they've worked before with that. Yeah, Xanth? Wynn and Susie Young, I, I have their names circled beside yep. that. And table. Danny Chambers is going to be you. Uh, Kylie Mills is going to be Kagiri. And then uh, they have a few others as well that they announced for the cast list. Mm -hmm. But they say it's still to be determined. So we'll see when, uh, how far they are on that project, of course. Okay. Then what is this? Future Robot Daltonus? Yeah, so they had a, quite a few uh, SD Blu-ray releases of some of the Mecca shows from the 80s, so they're still going through those, so they must be selling okay. 
Yeah. And those well, ones are uh, just SD Blu-ray, as I said, unlike uh, Lupin, which I now see now it says the release with a new HD transfer. So maybe they got that from Japan or something like that. I know. I, I, it's I, incredible I, I, since that's from the mm-hmm. 80s too, right? When I, in Lupin, like with all those series, I noted whether or not they said Blu-ray or SD Blu-ray. And beside Lupin, well, it says here Lupin, uh, it says Blu-ray, but... Uh, Correct, and that's a new HD transfer, but some of the older shows don't always get that new transfer and stuff like that. It all Mm -hmm. depends on materials from Japan or if the company wants to do it themselves, right? Right. So these are like some really interesting titles. We'll put up a link to the Anime News Network article that said it. And there is uh, some other ones, too. uh, We could mention, too, like Grimm's Fairy Tale Classics. Yes, that's Blue blu-ray release and that one was a way back show from back in the days and i know it was on american television supposedly and i'm not sure if it was stream sorry uh broadcast up here or not and then the last one i know uh for interesting uh, ones was they mentioned again it wasn't a new announcement they announced it back in september we had talked quickly but they're on the hunt for ninja robots for oh, yes. episodes and stuff like that and They've they told that to... story of how they're trying to find dub the dub episodes and having trouble finding it. And I think they're they're like they've now narrowed it down to Australia, New Zealand. And they had mentioned before Australia, New Zealand did broadcast on Adult Swim there, as well as in Singapore and Malaysia, I want to say. I but then they talk... I forgot about Southeast Asia too, right? Yeah, Singapore, they talked to the people in Southeast Asia, Asia, but they said uh, they wouldn't have luck there and that they'd have to try Australia, New Zealand. And they told the episodes that they're looking for and stuff like that. And they've been successful with other series sending out uh, the search net uh, on uh, Twitter and stuff like that. And the other problem is the voice actors were uh, hard to find because they weren't exactly credited in the normal way. And they showed us some of the dub clips they did have. And it's just bonkers hilarious. And then what the episode about the vaccine was something else altogether because they said in these times, this is something that is just going to make you laugh your head off. And it did. I was wondering, is that that whole video still up on the Twitch channel? Or did they take that was never there, the replay? Um, I do not know. It, if you go to the Twitch page, you can take a look and look under past videos. And it might have been archived, but there's not always a guarantee that it was. I don't know mm-hmm. off the top of my head. I know they're like, that's sometimes hit and miss when it comes to them. Yeah, like anything for the streams of if they're streaming a program or something like that, obviously that's not archived. But with these ones, depending on what they're showing, right, it might be yes or no for some licensors if they're okay with it being archived. Okay. Even if their content is there for only a minute or so, right? So. Right. So nothing else is there. Sorry. Well, if nothing's there, we will put up the at least the list of the announcements that was mentioned uh, from Anime News Network uh, in the links of interest. Did did, you, did anyone mention uh, Metabots? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Metabots. no, they they found all the materials for Metabots, which was great. And they, of course, when they announced that, they put the uh, opening for Metabots for that season there, and it's just so funny. It's a trip listening to those openings. And stuff like that. It is because it's like just nostalgia. You're though. so used to. I also saw from our last announcement back in September that they're instead of whatever's next year, the Japanese cool. theme songs for those. 
I think mm-hmm. they were just smoking up in the studio and they're like, hey, let's just go with this. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> well, if, if people want to hear that Row Battle opening theme song, there is that dub only release, if I'm not mistaken. That's still there. One other thing that also caught my attention, they got, once again, they did get more technical in there in some of the details. Uh, James, I know, just outlined some of it. If that video is there, it's worth watching just to. Men- hear them talk about the various processes and how they get the licenses, but they don't have the material or more like they can get the rights to the license, but then they still have to dig for the material themselves. And it's and like the, the Indiana Jones, right? Yeah. And then the original company can say, it's mine. Yeah. Because that's the contract, right? Right. I mean, they've told that story many times before. And I know Justin Savages, for example, the last one he talked about uh, the uh, Ninja Show again mentioned Ninja Senshi uh, Toby Kage. Yeah, that they he went during pandemic times to I think it was Paramount to their vault or whatever. Oh, and they said, oh yeah, we yeah. have the dub and all that stuff. And he takes it back, and nope, it was not the dub at all. So right. some of these things for storage and materials and stuff like that, it can be interesting. Just to put that into perspective, how that is. And how complicating that is, and maybe frustrating it sounds. I was reading a little bit of football history, and I read that footage of the very first Super Bowl is not available. NBC, CBS, they simulcasted it at the time. But by all accounts, all footage has been long destroyed. It was just common practice to save costs to uh to destroy tapes and that was talked about i know before uh, sean kleckner said that because remember they released uh, astro boy the astro boy <laughs> and stuff like that and they had to go to all the affiliates to get all the episodes they could to make it work Matt, because people Matt destroyed different things right some would have in the archives some wouldn't mm-hmm. and matt alta hinted that in pure invention as well The thing was, if there's very few, very little footage found, and any footage that is found, ultimately the NFL will then raise their hand and say copyright, and it is theirs. Don't 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 get me started on copyright, man. It's 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 just don't. It's just so bad. (laughs) I get it. I get it. But that's that's the point. That's that's one thing that kind of came up in the discussion. The other one was and. Maybe this sort of comes back to some of the things we were talking about recently. People had been asking them, how do I get a job with discotech? And the short answer is, well, if you have the talent, we would have already found you. I think that was the short answer. Yeah, that was basically the short answer. Like Justin said, they found another person that he liked and stuff like that. And they were doing some things with him and some of the other guys they have worked with. Like I know um, Jose that works out of Atlanta for them and a few other ones, like they're all freelancers and stuff like that. And it's like, kind of like the bosses of discotech kind of assembled the dream team. And then the dream team is assembling even more people for said dream team. of fandom. Right. So if you're in regular contact with people within discotech, and you've exhibited something already, they would have probably poached you by now. Yeah, if they saw your work, right? Or they <laughs> like, hey, this guy could help us. Like the Astro Res technology 
it wasn't that they said, hey, we're going to use it. They thought that guy was blowing smoke. But after they started seeing it and looking at it, they're like, holy shit. And said, and basically can we, use you? Can uh, we uh, work with you? And that's the upshot, right? So it's, and this kind of comes back to the whole, when I hear about finding jobs in the anime industry as it relates to North America, kind of comes back to some of the worries that the Crunchyroll deal kind of brought to the forefront. People worried about keeping their jobs within Funimation, within Crunchyroll. But then there's also worry, well, the ch- the opportunities to work in the industry have shrunk in the process as well. But then just it's always worth keeping in mind, is it a worthwhile industry? And Remember, be able to earn more somewhere else and stuff like that. Right. Maybe and not as much your, burnout, right? Less, so, you suffer and suffer less burnout. Keep in mind for the trio we hear from Discotech, these are part time jobs for them. And these remember, are they, they are doing a lot of releases. It's like they're up to six releases and, a month. Yeah. This and is yeah. the same amount of time or even more for some of mm-hmm. the releases, even the yeah. Blu rays and stuff like that. You look at the episode counts and the things, and you're like, Holy shit, they're doing so much. It's like, how are they still alive? Like, when do they eat and sleep? Especially Justin Savakis, because he's doing most of the Blu-ray offering and work and stuff like that, as well as doing produ- production stuff, just like uh, Brady and uh, Mike O'Toole uh, are doing. Yeah, O'Toole. part-time job, full-time pain, right? Yeah, and I know Brady even does stuff for the artwork and for the covers, and then he's done stuff with video and stuff like that too. For example, Thousand One Nights, of course, mm-hmm. I remember it was one of the ones he talked about. Kind of the reflection of well, we talk about it's not a great pain industry, generally speaking, on either side of the Pacific. Really, is it? Depends. Generally, no. From a production generally no, unless unless you're on the production committees, I suppose. But as I said, if if the video is available, give it a watch. It's what an hour, hour and a half long. If I remember correctly, that presentation was a lot of fun to watch, and now and you'll know what to look forward to, if especially if you are into these older titles. Yeah, Kodocha, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the rest of Kodocha. The manga was a really good read, just for reference. Okay, on the topic of manga, Kodansha. This week, right? Kodansha put up an interesting little headline on Christmas Eve. Kodansha is taking strict actions against illegal uploads. And this thought kind of came out of nowhere, I suppose. Or it did it. What, what do you guys know about it? The article doesn't really reference... Well, no, they... How do I put this? They There's no specific incident that caused that editor of Kodansha to... to have that tweet come out it it seemed like it just seemed like a random tweet but maybe something did happen i don't know the the ann article does not specific on that i mean like what do they expect's gonna happen i mean in the sister who like who are they who are they targeting who do they who are they gonna who are they gonna just send out notices to like is it just like random uploaders like what's happening here like <laughs> this has been a consistent issue for some years for manga right james like kevin hinted there isn't really a specific incident you can pin 
But has there... Yeah, no, they've went after yeah. all the sites and stuff like yeah. that, and probably they'll go after the next big one. Like Manga Rock was the last one we talked about, and it's like they'll probably go after Manga Dex, which is the next big boy to go after, and then someone will take its place, and it just continues the cycle and stuff like that. And then all the people doing the scans, are they've moved from IRC to Discord, of course. And then you have the thing, too. It's not just them taking the original content translating it, sometimes they're just pirating, straight up pirating the English scans and stuff like that. This has been a problem since the advent of high-speed internet, I feel. Because you're, there's always going to be people who obtain the magazines before they're put out on shelves, illegally scan them into the into the computers and then these uh, translation groups will then want to uh, compete with each other to see who gets to put it out first. And then usually you'll have an English translation out by Thursday or Friday, which comes out before the official release on Sunday, at least Sunday in North America. And so you have this thing where fans will be like, oh, how come it comes out on Sunday? Usually it comes out on Thursday because they don't know that they're reading the illegal version. <laughs> it's sad. I don't know how long it will take for any of these Japanese publishing companies to deal with this because this has been a known issue for years and years. And here. Basically, the, basically, this whole bit from Kodansha is just, what, a shot across the bow then? Business as, as usual. usual. Business as usual, I suppose. Yeah, this has been going on for over a decade, as Kevin has said. Mm-hmm. Okay. At least nowadays, though, you have companies making an effort to put their stuff out as quickly as possible. Like Viz got their act together over the years. And, and to be fair, a lot of it is, is dependent on whether Shueisha or Shogakukan is willing to help speed up the process, which eventually it happened, mm -hmm. at least for Shonen Jump. Uh, Kodansha does have several titles that they have simulpubbed as well as Yen Press, although I believe you still have to pay for those new chapters. They don't put those up for free. Yeah, some of the Kodansha ones, they will do those chapters, but it's just like you're buying the book and stuff like that. And some of them for Kodansha too, they just have the digital only version before. Sometimes they might do a physical one, but it depends on performance and stuff like that. But I guess it's better than nothing. I guess so. It just means that I don't buy as much from Kodansha because there's only so many times I'm willing to buy like Battle Angel Alita or Car Captor Sakura or Magic Knight Ray Earth or Sailor Moon. So weird because they've teamed up, remember, with Crunchyroll to put some of their manga on there that you could read a la carte, and then it just fizzled down. It's like it didn't even it didn't even 
get the full launch. It just stopped, and they still have titles on there that are updating as they go along, but they're very few and far between. It's kind of funny thinking of the Crunchyroll manga because they just announced, they're like, oh, by the way, we are now at HTML5 for our manga reader because guess what? Flash is dead in a week or so. Yep. They just announced that, I think, a few days ago, and you're like, really, guys? You should have uh, known that. <laughs> actually, that was today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. it's Not like, come up. on. Like, you couldn't even put up Attack on Titan for free. Like, you, you can't tell me that thing does not make you enough money. But, hey, it could very well be Kodansha Japan. That's the holdup on that. We don't really know. Well, as we found out, there's definitely been eyeballs on uh, Attack on Titan since uh, the final season premiered uh, a few weeks ago. Well, I think the manga's that's ending very soon. And that's yeah, probably where it. the shots across the bow are happening. I'm sorry, I was never really into Attack on Titan. I need to catch up. It is pretty good up to a certain point, at least where I fell off. Okay. It's kind but... of weird with that one because I started reading it and then I got more into the anime because I don't know why the manga, the art is very, it's, I want, I don't know if I want to say rough or gritty or something like that through the first part of that manga and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh. It's the style. The, the style it's does the take style. some getting used to, I would say. And, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes people just don't like the style as much. Like I, I always think of Beckman Golian Chop Squad where the manga styling is very different from what you would see in the anime. Mm -hmm. It takes for Beck. It took some getting adjust. It took some time getting adjusted to uh, Harold Sakuishi's art. Okay. Well, let's. This is just interesting that they said something. That's all. But yeah, like like James said, though, it's just. It feels like just a, a random statement to make since this, there seems to be no context behind it, and I don't know. We'll it's, see. Just basically, it's just basically a, basically Kodansha saying to piraters, you know, I got my eye on you. Which is kind of pointless, right? Basically what they've been doing all along, so I don't think anyone's shaking in their boots. That's the thing. What? Yep. Doesn't sound like it'll get anything done. Okay, moving on. And this is the last item we'll mention, and it's, uh, well, a local one for here in Toronto. Anime North. On December 19th, a little over a week ago, Anime North announced that they're going to shift their 2021 version of the convention this year and have rescheduled it away from its traditional late May window to a not-so-traditional late July window. The plan now is to hold Anime North 2021 on the weekend of July 23rd to the 25th. And they acknowledged it on the website. They're still not sure it'll happen. Well, even if it does happen, it's going to be a different way of it from previous years, they said there is going to be an attendance cap and it's probably going to be even less. There's probably going to be an increase in price because you're going to have to put in uh, COVID uh, precautions and stuff like that at all sites and certain events. 
may not be able to happen because of the COVID restrictions and stuff like that. And certain guests obviously probably won't be able to come because of border restrictions and stuff like that. So they'll have to figure out a virtual way maybe to make those uh, meet and greets uh, happen or panels happen. Don't bet on Cena rave this year. <laughs> I don't know. You, you know, it would be interesting to see a socially distanced rave. You never know, Mike. Is that, is that a thing? They have a very big parking lot there at the Congress Center. And yes, there's going to be no true. one really doing conventions probably even then. So weirder things could happen. Weirder things could happen. That's true. You wonder what's going to happen with the flea market. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh... I don't think that... See, that's the thing is because it's secondhand merchandise, all that, they might decide not to do it for that. At least I like do. You could open a can uh, of worms, right? Mm-hmm. The distinct possibility. Right. Well, not like it's plastic sealed and all that other stuff, right? It's like, it's hard to say. Do we... And a lot of it is going with the flow and what people are recommending to them because they have been consulting experts. They probably have to get um, approval from the Ontario government or someone saying that it's okay and that they're within their right to actually hold the event and with all the restrictions in place, right? That's the issue. That's what they're uh, they're trying to grapple with, I suppose. And the thing is, it's changing, as we've seen, from day to day, week to week, month to month. They're hoping it's going to be better then and we'll maybe have that vaccine. And who knows if we do have it, are they going to, is the government going to say, okay, you can hold the event, but we want you to make sure that the people have had the vaccine too. So it's like they said they're, we're going to have proof for that, right? So maybe we have to show a card saying, I had the second vaccine or I had the first vaccine or something like that. Yeah, that's another issue altogether, I think. I, I give them credit, though. At least they were, they acknowledged a lot of the world issues going on. They acknowledged it enough to move it away from May. They acknowledged it well enough to put it in July. And I mean, I, I give them credit for acknowledging that this still may not happen. And I think yeah, it is, yeah. they want it to happen, but. They have to do it within the beans that are set out before them, and people just don't know, right? Right. And I give them credit for that. This isn't, obviously, to say this has not been an easy situation is, well, it goes without saying. So, I mean, it was tough not to see anything major happened throughout the world this year i think i think if memory serves me right that might be the same weekend the olympics are set to start back in tokyo as well the rescheduled 2020 olympics probably we're double checking just in case and uh, it'll be quite hot though i'd imagine oh yeah that should be interesting for a bunch of reasons should it happen though and we just outlined why there's still a long way to go there. And as we said, we've seen the uh, packed halls. We've seen the packed uh, parking lots with cosplayers and the music events and stuff like that. And a lot of that stuff is just not going to happen. You're not going to have the uh, cosplay shoots or they will happen, but just a very different type of how it's mm-hmm. going to occur, especially if some of those are going to occur outside and how they're going to mark everything. They'll probably mark and say, you guys can stand here and stuff like that. And then 
the people doing photographs are going by to see it. It's like you guys stay in your lane, right? Mm. Yeah, well, if you strip it down too much, is it worth having at all? I guess that'll be uh, the questions that the guys there will have to come to terms with over the next number of months. Yeah, we're going to all be masked up and have tons of hand sanitizer probably at every entrance and exit and everything else, right? So there's yeah, only well, so much they can do. Uh, that'll be part that'll be part of the uh, extra membership fee, I'm sure. Let's take the break. And then when we return, we're going to put a nice neat little bow on 2020 when we get back. It's the Anime Roundtable on the Six Talk Podcast Network. And welcome back. So we're near the end of the episode and near the end of everything we're doing for 2020. Uh, do you guys have a quick thought before we finish up? I have to say, I have to say, what, I only saw you guys in person maybe once or twice. Then we've been basically cooped up here the entire time and had to learn how to do this show online. It's been fun. It's been fun to do it this way. But, you know, wouldn't mind seeing you guys uh, face-to-face again at some point in 2021. I don't know, Mike. I think it's going to be 2022 before we see each other. It'll be a little while. We'll have to get that feel and used to it. It's like I'll be in a bubble, Mike, and then after that I'll come out and then I'll be like, okay, am I ready to see another human being? Because the first instinct is just run away. So I'll have to jump out your window. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, jeez. All right. Well, you want to finish this up then? Might as well. Let's send uh, 2020 off with a bang. (laughs) Well, it'll be, I won't call it that, but let's see how this turns out. Back in version one, we used to end episodes with a round of what we called final insults, basically a parting shot for everyone around the table to talk quickly about something on their mind, a soapbox, if you will. Since we brought back the podcast back in 2018, we've hardly done them since. So with this being the last episode of 2020, we thought we'd bring back this final segment again and go around the table one more time to give everyone a chance to give a parting shot to 2020. Leading off, we'll give it to the young one. Kevin, you're up first. Well, let's see here. Throughout these past eight to nine months, it's it's been fascinating to see just how people's political uh, views align one way or another. I feel like the pandemic has exacerbated that I never would have thought we would have seen so many people be so inconsiderate or thoughtless or lack empathy I look at stuff like you know the Adamson barbecue fiasco 
as one of the prime examples of that. I also look at how our provincial government has handled the pandemic. And it's just interesting to see how the resources are there for them to have handled it better. But they didn't always seem to want to spend the money to do so. Hence why I say that the, these whole, this whole political spectrum is just nuts. And it'll get better. Don't know how long it'll take. But I think things will be better. And yes, I sound very pessimistic and very, uh, I guess, antagonistic was the, the word I was thinking at the time. But... I think there is there is a light that we can see from the distance, especially now that we have vaccines that exist. That's one of my main topics for my final insult, but I guess one other one other thing that popped into my mind was uh you know I I've been listening to Lisa's songs a lot lately and I and one thing that I never really brought up was how she did suffer uh sexual harassment these past 2 years from her manager at her talent agency and and it's laughable how their their CEO essentially brushed this whole incident aside, calling it a lover's quarrel, even though the manager in question is married. And, you know, it was... Seeing her recent input, she really hasn't been putting out that much music these past few years. And I feel like this this incident was a large reason why and it it also highlights how uh depressing the music industry can be in asia where if you speak out about the wrongdoings that have happened to you you could very well get blacklisted because it's happened with different japanese singers most of them being female So to that manager, screw you. You're a piece of trash. And I hope that Elisa can move on and hopefully uh, get past this. And, and hopefully she can... Hopefully she can uh, get more opportunities in the future. I'm really rooting for her. Have it and and I say this as a person who has purchased her music. That's all I gotta say on that. No, well, it's good to be a real fan, and we've seen cases like this over the last couple of years. Some very well publicized ones, and maybe we'll point them out in the links.
Thanks, Kevin. You're welcome. Mohammed, you're up. Yeah, I'll keep mine simple. Uh, Wonder Woman 1988, 84, sorry, night one. <laughs> Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> oh, boy. Way to go. Yes. That's the year of Wonder Woman there, uh, Mo? Oh, my God, dude. Like, like, why does that have to be so bad? Like, it, it didn't have to be this bad, but it's just so, just so bad. Seems <laughs> part of the so chorus with, seems part for the chorus with DC superhero movies, Muhammad. No, it, it didn't have to be that bad, you know? Like, I, I feel like she had, oh, my God. The first one was good. You know, Shazam was, was fun. Aquaman was was Aquaman. <laughs> I don't know, man, like, I, in my mind, I'm going. This thing costs thirty dollars if you're in Canada to watch because there's no theaters. There's no there's no theaters open in Ontario, so there's nowhere to actually go see it. Maybe a drive-in, but even then, it's just so ridiculous. The pricing. Oh my well, god! I mean, is it thirty <laughs> bucks to own it, or is it only thirty dollars to stream it? You know what the worst part about it is? Thirty bucks to rent it. Oh, it's God damn it. Right? <laughs> oh. Yeah, F that noise, man. I'm not paying $30 to rent a movie. I might as well, like, that's, you know, like, Blockbuster didn't cost that much, man. But they Jeez. were getting releases that were that new, fresh off the presses, right? That's what they're right. going to tell you. Yeah. Well, it, I'm, I'm, I'm just, it's like... They pushed this movie, what, like a year, maybe, give or take, and then they released it, and it's just, 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 spoiler alert, I don't know if you want to put in a, a sound effect here, but spoiler alert, Wonder Woman 1984 should otherwise be known as Monkey Paw the Movie featuring Wonder Woman. <laughs> That's the wow. entire plot, guys. It's just Monkey Paw. It's, it's, it's what would happen if a rich dude got a Monkey Paw, and then... Wonder Woman showed up. That that's it. That's all that happened, guys. It's just the monkey spa. It's just the most stupid writing ever. Because I mean, at least with that, you can you know kind of make something out of it. But no, it's just so. It's just so dumb. It's so bad. <laughs> okay, uh, Mohammed. Mohammed, was it entertainingly bad or was no, it mediocre? No, 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 no. It would have been okay if it was like sub two hours you know if it was like oh a 90 minute monkey paw movie wonder woman is doing wonder woman stuff but no it's two and a half fucking hours guys right oh. this, is, this isn't avengers where you know there's 10 movie build up to, to it where that's okay for three hours but oh my god it's it's two and a half hours where nothing happens nothing happens like, like this didn't need to happen. This did not need to happen. <laughs> oh, you're so, you're telling me they're going to reboot it in sixty years? I mean, it's, okay. it's already been confirmed that they're making a third one. Like, like, like oh. everyone's back on board for whatever reason. I don't know, man. Like, like I'm so done with DC. Like, they can do good shit, but come on, guys. You know who they need to get, right, Mo? They need M Night Shyamalan. That's who they need. Oh. <laughs> Your opinions are no longer valid. Anyways, that that's my that's my final parting gift for twenty twenty. Yeah, that's a that's a parting shot if I ever heard one. Just so so upset by it, man. <laughs> like I saw that shit twice, twice because I saw it once thinking, okay, this is garbage, 
Maybe if I watch it one more time, it won't be so garbage. Wait, and they got sixty dollars out of you? Oh no 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 no! I I I I won't I won't pay for this 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 travesty. It's just so bad. But on like a second viewing, like I I picked up on this whole subplot uh, where where Wonder Woman played by Gal Gadot goes to goes goes to Cairo, and then like it's just this whole thing about how walls and shit in the Middle East that like people didn't pick up on because for reasons I guess. I mean. Come on, guys. <laughs> uh, anyways, that's that's not why it's bad. It's bad because there was no plot development. The characters got no growth. The the villain, which could have been good, it, it, you know, Maxwell Lord, he could have been good. He's basically supposed to be like an '80s Trump, like a a Ponzi scheme kind of person. But I don't know, man. It's just it's just so fucking bad. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> We're going to count the number of times he used four letters in that rant. That's all that's on your mind. Well, that seems to be it. I think we'll be that's talking. My, that's our parting gift to 2020. Oh, um, yeah, that's his. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I mean, we'll, I thought we'll... it was the parting gift to 1984. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, we're going to be talking a lot more about live adaptations of comic books uh, again in some form in the future. I know that. Thanks, Mo. James. Well, I, I think I told you, Mike, I said my parting shot is going to be to our good friends at uh, Funimation that just left me shaking my head this month. And some of it was in relation to stuff we I had talked about before. One was that Switch app. So I went and downloaded it. And guess what? It's only for pay, paying users. The oh, free part of this new app whoa. is not available. Only for paying users for the new setup and all that. So the Switch users, I guess, are being guinea pigs for this new version. So that explains why it didn't launch on PS5 and um, the Xbox Series X. Because obviously that would probably piss people off if they realized the full app wasn't available to them unless they pay. Oh. But... The other funny thing was in relation to Violet Evergarden, which I do enjoy. And I did say, yes, Funimation did not get the home video version of it. It was the broadcast version that Netflix got. And that's why it was dubbed and sub. But then there were other oh. things that came out when we got it for the series. And that is the translation is the exact same translation that was on Netflix. Now, some people online are calling it bad translation, blah, blah, blah. But I would call it unpolished translation because when they're streaming and stuff like that in Violet Evergarden, even though it was binge in the States and Canada, Japan and a few other Netflix territories, it was actually being released week by week. So probably the translators, they were on the gun to make their schedules and stuff like that. And usually Funimation, when... They have their own uh, releases or when it was Crunchyroll and Funimation together and they had their own releases, they would go back to those uh, titles they had streamed. And then for home video, they would actually go over the translation again. You'd see a credit for additional translation, right? And they didn't even do that for... Yeah, they didn't even do that for Violet Evergarden and Man, which is crazy. And when they look deeper, some people look deeper into the discs that Funimation did. And basically they are clones 
of the previous uh, Madman Australian New Zealand release from another their partner companies, and all it is is basically the uh, one is Region A, the other I think uh, Australia New Zealand is Region B, and then the corporate logos at the front all flipped out. You know what I mean? Which you're just like, holy shit, that's some messed up shit. And the yeah. other reason is because the best version of it over in uh, the UK, which is being released by uh, Anime Limited, they got the whole thing uncut. They are getting the um, version that is... Uh, they're getting the version that is... Um, Un, like uncut so it's the blu-ray version and all that for the extended uh, last episode and all the cuts and stuff like that which we're not getting they're also getting uh the movies that uh, they did for compilation movies in a special package unlike we're getting it's like they just shut it out they threw it out the door for funimation and the other funny thing is on video quality because supposedly anime limited they for their version they were about to put it on. They found out that the video quality wasn't that great. And so guess what? They're actually going to pause their release for Anime Limited and actually have someone else, another offering house, uh, take a look, which some people are speculating is Justin Savakis, to see if they can <laughs> improve them. And they're actually going to try and improve a product that is actually already better than what Funimation put out, which they just said... Here's the Netflix, and then they just threw it out. And a lot of the other ones that have had Netflix or Amazon stuff have at least done a retranslation from the translation that was done for streaming. It just makes you wonder about the future, especially with Sony now uh, possibly going to take control of uh, Crunchyroll going forward. It just makes the mind wonder. And then the last thing that was another foible on Funimation's part was Akira. They fucked up Akira this month. And supposedly, this one is a fuck-up they're actually going to fix. Because supposedly they announced recently that for Akira, the 4K version, they will offer disc replacements that will hopefully receive be received by people in the next few months. And basically, instead of getting... Uh, the reason they're doing this disc replacement is this limited edition they were asking people to pay for was supposed to be in high dynamic range, HDR, for 4K. But instead, it was standard dynamic range, SDR. SDR. So you weren't getting the full experience. And so it's like, why am I buying this again? So now they said they're going to do it right. And it will have the high dynamic range. But at least this one they'll fix. Unfortunately for uh, Violet Evergarden, I think we're going to be stuck with what we have. And it's like, yeah, you want to support the creators, and I'm grateful that I'm going to support them at Joanne and stuff like that. But I don't think uh, my pennies are going to help them much, especially since Funimation uh, just butchered the release in two regions. Not the first time, and it won't be the last time Funimation screws up something like this, because they've screwed up Code Geass when they first did that as well. Among other things. And... You know that also reminds me of something. Uh, I guess it's not off. It's not totally the same topic, but I I always think about how you know they have the choice to do the, to do something or not do something. So with Firelight Evergarden, it's just like it's like as if they didn't care. And the funny thing is, the thing that pisses me off the most is they 
had some care because they wanted to do this special edition. And this special edition, as I told you, Kevin, sold out before the street date everywhere yeah. in North America, in Canada and U.S., wherever. And also, so definitely the fans were there and people were willing to support it. And they had the install base to say, hey, we can go back and like make sure this is the best we can make it for the translation, for the video quality, and for everything else, and get those materials from QON and make it the best and show them that, hey, the people that worked on, some of them were unfortunately um, deceased in the fire. It's mm. like that we care about the artisanship and everything that they put into this product and that KOAN loves because this is one of their big flagship titles. And it seems like all they did was throw it out the door to people, even though the fans were there and still bought it and they could have still got their return on investment. Uh, you, just sound, you just sound bummed out. Well, I think Kevin sounded even more bummed out there but at the end, but... Well, Who knows? It makes me wonder about the future, right? Hmm. It does. Kevin? Yeah, it's it, it, it reminds me of when it comes to the choice, it's like, yeah, we could do this or we don't. And they clearly didn't. And while this is a bit off topic, but it reminds me of how when they did that big Dragon Ball Z like Ultimate Collectors release, where they did include the full screen release, but it was only on that specific release. It's like they could make the full screen widely available, but they want to tout that as a premium limited edition thing that only so many people can get. And then I just think, why couldn't you just make it full screen from the get go? <laughs> like, but clearly they know the value of that full screen release. So they're just going to hold that over the heads of the diehards. It is okay. what it is. But it's that thing of, it's like, you're going to have it on screen, but sometimes we won't get that full experience and stuff like that because they're still continually making changes to that final product and stuff like that. And usually we get that, but then we have these times like these and it's like, well, what's going to happen with less competition and more people uh, consolidating, mm -hmm. right? Who knows? Makes me thankful that at least some people still care, like <laughs> Discotech. Well, unfortunately, I'm a part of the problem. I wanted to buy it, and I still I like it, but I know I could have got a better release and stuff like that, and I'm still going to buy that final movie. Like, the two movies I don't think were a problem, but it, the series was definitely an issue. Do you have a region-free Blu-ray player, though? I probably should think about investing in one, right? I've always thought about getting one, too, but I just never took the plunge. But I will say that 4K release of Millennium Actress looks pretty tempting. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Back in April, early in the pandemic, there was this movement to show support to frontline workers. At about 6 or 7 p.m., people who had been isolated in their homes would come out in front of their houses or go out onto their balconies of wherever apartments they live and cheer as loud as they could for a few minutes. These times were usually when shift exchanges would happen at hospitals. So it was time to show support to them. As I saw these, I came to the realization that we were in deep and this was going to take a while. And so much has happened and changed since then. 
we started learning words like social distancing and bubbles, essential and non-essential workers, Zoom and PPE. The pandemic only aggravated things when George Floyd was killed, although you could say it was vice versa. We saw a lot of the bad and clueless and selfishness in us. But at the same time, we saw a lot of good and selflessness too, with people coming to the understanding that whatever they don't know, they should learn, or at least defer to those who know what they're doing so they can help guide us. So what about you? How have you changed? Did you have to keep your guard up wherever you go to school or work or shift the way you go about your learning or working into something online from the hopeful safety of your home? Or was it worse? Did you lose a job and have to depend on the kindness of assistance, assuming it was there? Know that I could relate to you if that was the case. But if you had all that free time, how did you spend it? Did you spend it looking for new work? Did you spend it diving into the learning pool in hopes of finding something different or better? Or if your financial situation wasn't so bad, did you spend it by making time for others? By my own personal admission, I don't think I really did any of that, but I'd like to think that it wasn't to my own absolute detriment. I've spent the bulk of my free time reading leisurely books that I've long promised myself to read and watching shows that I've long promised myself to watch and playing a few games that I discovered and now have promised myself to continue playing. I discovered what it was like to be a bit of a fan again. And all of that was shared on this podcast as we had to learn how to adapt to doing it online. And we discovered things that perhaps many others have done so long ago, because in the end, we're still playing catch up in the podcasting world, probably running a race that we'll never get anywhere close to being in the front of. And that's okay. If only because that means there's more for us to learn or more for us to discover. And that's the pledge I'll make to you now, wherever you are listening. Our resolution for 2021 is to never make you feel like you wasted your free time to listen to us whenever we post up a new episode, and to continue to entertain and enlighten you with our little odd take on anime, manga, and the greater world of Asian pop culture. Hopefully, we'll be able to introduce more guests to you and reintroduce those of us from episodes gone by. Hopefully, we can keep up the pace we've been doing during this pandemic. And hopefully, it'll be time well spent. On Christmas Eve at 6 p.m., with a full lockdown of the province of Ontario looming on the other side, I looked out my balcony, and I can hear the whole neighborhood cheering and singing. As I saw it, I came to the realization that we're still in deep and that there's still quite a way to go. But with vaccines now around, perhaps that light that many of us thought was there during the summer 
is finally about to appear sometime this winter, early in the new year. A quick programming note. While this might be the end of our episodes for 2020, we're going to try and hit the ground running right away in 2021. We've talked a lot about the book Pure Invention and its author, Matt Alt. I'm happy to announce that James and I are going to be sitting down with Matt Alt himself probably Monday evening, December 28th, to follow up on some of the topics of Pure Invention and maybe some of its impact on the recent U.S. presidential election, among a myriad of other topics. Really, it's something that you won't want to miss. But that's it for this episode and 2020. First time listening? Please let us know how we're doing. AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com, at AnimeRoundtable, AnimeRoundtable.com. And don't forget to subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts and to get notified whenever we put up new episodes so you can hear Kevin's lovely voice. Huh. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, good night from Toronto. Yoi otoshi o umoke kudasai.